Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Good afternoon, Matthew. Uh, Stephen Roman here, president of uh, Global Atomic. And uh, I guess it's been a few months since our last interview. So a uh, lot's happened in the market since then. Well, I, I wanted to catch up because I tell you what happened. It, it, almost immediately after our last interview, sort of middle of uh, August, you went from 240 to, to, in terms of share price, went from about 240 up to about 440 uh, because of a certain Sprott Physical Uranium Trust. Did you see it coming? And what have you made of their performance so far? Well, listen, I, I think uh, everybody was anticipating uh, something coming out of Sprott and their uh you know, acquisition of a Uranium Participation Corporation. Um, so we, we felt that uh, there would be some move higher in the uranium price. I think the fact that it moved from about $30 to over $50 was quite a rapid move. And of course, uh, people that uh, like the uranium space uh, really piled in. And, and I think, uh, you know, recently there's been some profit taking, of course, a bit of a pullback in the whole sector, which is healthy. I think technically speaking, it looks good on the chart. And, uh, you know, it consolidates uh, some of this and gets the day traders and some of the shorts out of there. And, and I think we're, we're bottomed out here and we're starting to build the, build the base here and, and we're going to move higher as uh, the fall progresses. Yeah, I, th I think the interesting thing is obviously Spot uh, has come back down to around sort of 41, 42 uh, level. It seems like Spot have taken the, the foot off the accelerator, just waiting to sort of see what this kind of reset will bottom out at and then maybe step back in. But I guess we'll find out over the next uh, few days and, and weeks on that one. Um, the other thing that has happened, as you mentioned, is equities have come come off to slightly I mean, their higher highs or, and higher lows, um, which, which, is, which is good news for you guys. But how do you guys take advantage of that because you can go and borrow some quite cheap money now. Is, is that in the plans? Uh, well, we, we weren't planning on borrowing any money at the moment. We are working on a, a project financing plan right now with our uh, consultants in the UK. So we've got a, a number of shortlisted banks. We're uh, showing them data uh, right now. So there's a process underway. And um, of course, they're, they're very interested in the project and a new development in Niger. Uh, the project's got some tremendous attributes, as you know. So, uh, you know, I think at some point here, uh, it'd be nice to, to announce some sort of a, uh, you know, a term sheet with a, a financing group. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that'll uh, allay the fears of the market on how are we going to finance this thing. I, of course, we've been very, uh, let's say, tight with our equity, so to speak. So we don't like issuing a lot of shares. We did a little raise back in March. Uh, there has been a lot of inbounds wanting to put more money in. We've resisted for the moment. And, uh, you know, we'd like to see the share price higher. Well, okay. I, I think all your shareholders um, are happy, but yeah, and they'll be even happier if it does go higher. But um, so the press release with regards to uh, CMAC Tyson, um, you signed a letter of intent with them. What's happening on the ground? Because obviously, we, you, you, you've, you've told us a lot about the, the the flank zone. You're going after higher grade stuff. You've got you put you put out your study on that one. What are you going to be doing with uh, CMAC Tyson? 
So first of all, there's a lot going on the ground since we spoke in August. So one is we've started our 15,000 meter drill program. So the idea behind that, of course, is to do work around the flank zone on strike, also to do infill drilling of the rest of the deposit so we can move the category to a higher level so we can include that in a feasibility study. Because the flank zone, just for everybody's, uh, uh, you know, remembering, uh, is only about 20% of this deposit. So if we can increase the size of the flank zone area, of course, then we can mine, continue to mine on that part of the ore body. It's very shallow. It'll be uh, inexpensive to mine that. It's a, it's a ramp access again. And then uh, doing the drilling on the balance of the deposit, of course, will increase the value of that entire part of the deposit. So this is ongoing right now. Uh, in addition, we've been working on infrastructure on site. So including, uh, we're now building a, a much larger camp that would house the construction personnel. Uh, we've got, of course, uh, uh, bids out there for infrastructure uh, from local contractors. So we have now engaged with a local contractor to actually with, with management of our, uh, you know, owner's team being on site present, they will call or, or uh, sorry, they will uh, start excavating the box cut for the portal in January. So this is a very important milestone. Uh, the fact that we're going to have a, a crew moving in in January and starting to actually do excavation in order to start moving underground. CMAC Tyson then would come, uh, they're going to start mobilizing in February. The idea is by the end of March, we'll have the box cut completed, the face ready to go. CMAC will move in with their crew and start the ramping right away into the flank zone. So, you know, all of this has happened since we last met in August. And, uh, of course, also we've been uh, hiring additional people. We've got uh, searches going on for talent, uh, both on the management level and also the, you know, the corporate level, finance people, accountants, et cetera, that are going to form part of our, our team in country. We've also secured an office location in Miami. Uh, it happens to be a, a great location right in the heart of the, the city, and uh, it's a new building. And so we've got that secured. We've got uh, housing in Miami secured now for our expatriate staff that will be coming and going. So there's been a, a flurry of activity since we last spoke. And this is all with, obviously, the end goal of starting the, the work on the project getting underground and opening up the mine. These new uh, hires of yours, are they French speaking? Like, was there former employer? Yeah, absolutely. Ar former yep. employer, Arano? Uh, there's some people that were formerly with Arano and, and others, international people that have uh, worked in West Africa for many years that speak French, that obviously are, are mine builders, developers, uh, also people that are, are capable and have done uh, plant construction. So a big component of this project, of course, is building our processing plant. So the, that all is being finalized now as part of our feasibility study. 
And so we're hiring people that will be actually in charge of that construction process. We also have been uh, putting out bids for EPCM contractors. So uh, there's a number of uh, big firms that want to actually do the EPCM on the plant. So that's all in works right now. And uh, that's one reason why this week, the entire team here in Canada is, is at our head office and we're doing a, you know, a session on uh, all of the, the rollouts, let's say, of the work program. So what are some of the options available to you? Because, you know, obviously we've talked in the past about Arano leaving and, you know, what they're potentially going to leave behind for you to pick up. Um, are you waiting for them to go or are you in discussion with them now? And, you know, what's that going to mean for your bottom line? Well, Arano, of course, is operating the Somare facility currently, and that's the group that are interested in taking ore as a direct shipping ore from DASA right up to Somare. So we are still uh, in the process of negotiating a finalized agreement with them. <clears throat> we have now uh, secured uh, trucking and costs on all of that. We need to see the final numbers uh, that they're going to supply for milling. And then you know button up that agreement. But but what's what's happening with, with them? I mean, Samara is 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 due to run for how long? So Mare has been running for about fifty years. Right, but and how long is it due to continue running? I mean, what's what's its life of mine? Oh well, that's that's a hard number to pin down because uh, Orano doesn't really want to say. But I would say in the range of five to ten years. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, that's okay. That's interesting. So, what, what? So, what about some of the other local infrastructure that you may be able to pick up? Because obviously, it's a, it's long been a uranium mining district. Um, are you going to be the beneficiary of other companies perhaps leaving? So, Arano shut down their Kulmanac operation at the end of March. Uh, we we looked at equipment there. Uh, there are some pieces of equipment in that plant that we could use, we could refurbish. They are currently in the process of demolishing that plant and rehabilitating the site. Clearly, the, the people that work there are available, and we've been interviewing people to move right on to our site. Uh, we're also looking at equipment and any other uh, potential synergies we can have with Orano, including for instance, uh, sulfur. So Orano brings sulfur into the port of Cotonou. They ship it up by truck to uh, the operation at Somer. If we can, if we can achieve synergies by, uh, you know, partnering with them on some of these key supply components, then that'll reduce their costs as well as our costs. So, you know, these are discussions we're having with them right now. Okay, so you, you're telling as us as well as potentially uh, buying uh, some used equipment. Right. Well, that, that's where it kind of was where I was, what I was trying to get at um, there. You know, but when when will you be in a position to know what you're going to be able to uh, discuss with them, which may affect your bottom line positively in terms of equipment, not just people, but well, you know. that's that's Matt. That's all ongoing right now. Like every week, you know, we we have uh, discussions ongoing. We have people on site. We have people speaking with their their crews at Colmanac and at Somer. So it's it's an ongoing situation. So, you know, we haven't uh, nailed anything down yet, but uh, I would expect in the next two months, we should have some clarity on whether we can uh, do some sort of synergistic deals with them. 
<clears throat> also buying some equipment, etc. So that that's going to be uh, probably a couple months. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. And then you'll that'll come into the feasibility study when that gets done. Um. Right. I know you said you're tight with your money and you're you're looking at the process of maybe raising some money at some point when you feel it's right. But um, you're you've got a, a you're operating. Oh, sorry, you're looking at currently tw- using twenty percent of the data right at the moment. You've got a much bigger uh, ore body in front of you. You've got the Chinese government saying to its Chinese energy providers, "Go get me energy. Get me energy secure by any means." Right. They they are making fifty year plans in the way that the West is not. Do you that feel for to have conversations with people, you know, with the Chinese government, etc.? You would need to show scale, or are you just going to do this at your own pace and just focus on what's in front of you now, and you'll come back to the rest of the Uber body at some point uh, further down the line? Well, um, of course, I, I believe everyone knows this is a, a world class ore body, and uh, for a company like ours. We and with the low uranium prices, of course, we've uh, put together a, a plan that would get us into production doing between four and five million pounds a year, <clears throat> which we felt is a, a good entry point for a new development. Clearly, if, if a huge company had this, they might attack it in a different way. The Chinese, of course, would like to mine it uh, as, as large as possible and take all the uranium back to China. Um, you know, so that's one scenario. So right now, I mean, we are a mining group. We're a mining company. Our history is mining. We've developed many projects around the world. Uh, my father started Denison Mines, uh, built Elliott Lake, built the largest uranium mine in the world. And uh, that was here in Ontario. So, you know, our heritage is mining. Um, so we're not here to flip a project. We want to actually build this. Uh, we are well underway in that process. The feasibility numbers, as we mentioned previously, should all be out before the end of the year. Uh, in the meantime, we are getting contractors organized to actually do the physical work. So excavation will start in January. Ramping will start in April. The key thing is, is to get... <clears throat> product available for utilities by January 2025. So that's what we're working towards right now, is to get the work done in a proper sequence so that we can be producing yellow cake in a drum in 2025, in January. And utilities that we're speaking to right now, that's the the timelines we're giving them. So we have discussions with utilities right now. We've uh, we are participating in uh, RFPs for supply with the number of utilities. So, you know what, I think uh, once we have one or two of these utilities signed on and we have a definitive timeline, people will see that, hey, this is not just smoke and mirrors and promotion. This is actually a mine going into production. So this is what we're doing right now. And, you know, uh, we've got all of these these uh, different legs of <clears throat> going on at the same time here. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, you know, people will, will soon see that, that this is a, a viable project 
that is going ahead that will be a new producer. And uh, that's what people need to see. I was talking to Dustin Gower the other day, and I was, I was speaking to other commentators in the uranium space, and they say that the big problem for the uranium juniors is the lack of skilled workers and the lack of people who have actually done it before and that people will be, some of these companies will be learning on the job and that's where mistakes happen. So I appreciate your track record there, but are you getting any advantage because of your track record of having built mines before with utilities? Are they more likely to listen to you than say someone who, who hasn't or are you all on the same boat? No, you know what? I think the history goes a long way with the utilities and, uh, you know, they can look at all the, uh, all the projects we've done over the years and say, you know, like these are, these are people that actually build projects and make production. <clears throat> so that goes a long way. And uh, they appreciate that. And they, they know the name, my name, uh, Denison name, etc. cetera. Uh, we were big suppliers in the world market. Uh, Denison still exists today and doing pro <clears throat> excuse me, projects in Saskatchewan. <coughs> COVID. <coughs> what can you say? Well, that's, that's if you make it. <laughs> Would you like a glass exactly. of water? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a little water. Good idea. Um, Okay, see, this is the bit that interests me because we get all sorts of companies coming on here and with the Uranium Juniors specifically, everyone says the same thing, right? They, they, they do a peer analysis. They show you where they look in relation to other people in terms of valuation and stuff. And my question is, what's the difference between a paper valuation and share price and actually fundamentally being able to get into production. Is that there seems to be a disconnect there for, for me. I say a disconnect there. I'm just wondering what the reality is. It, it, will these companies get there? Will it just be a case of it'll be a little bit more expensive than they thought? It'll take a little bit longer than they thought? Or is M&A gonna have to come into play if they are to work out how to actually get into production? Matt, I guess I didn't really answer the question previously, but there is a shortage of skilled uh, technical labor for uranium because it's been out of favor for a long time and people have done other things. So that the key thing is, I guess, from our point of view, is that we know where these uh, uranium process experts are and we have them on our team. So that includes... Uh, a group like Process Research Ortec here in Toronto that have been involved in every uranium project in Canada over 40 years, designing flow sheets, plants, uh, doing the metallurgy, all of that. We have experts from Australia involved with us. Uh, we have uh, experts from the UK um, and people know what we have and they, they want to be a part of Global Atomic and they want to be a part of this project. So we have the technical expertise. We put the whole flow sheet, plant, plan, the whole mine plan, all that together. Um, and, and the people we have are on board now. And of course, with Comanac shutting down, we have an entirely trained labor force that's ready to come on, that knows the mining, knows the processing, 
because they've been doing it up the road for 50 years at Comanac. So all of these people, like there, there's the second, third generation of people that have been working there producing uranium for Orano uh, that, that we can tap into. So, you know, that's, that's something that maybe a lot of other juniors out there don't have. And typically, uh, juniors will find a deposit if it looks good. Uh, you know, they'll enhance it a little bit and they'll flip it out to somebody. Well, we, we don't do that. We actually like to build projects. I mean, this, this kind of a discovery is a, is a once-in-a-lifetime discovery. It's the largest, highest-grade uranium deposit uh, found in Africa in 50 years. So it's a company-building asset. And what we want to do for ourselves and all our shareholders, of course, is to prove it up and put it into production and be a significant producer in the world. Okay. I, I think obviously as the contracting starts to happen, as your conversations start to uh, firm up, as it, as it were, it'll give you some sort of line of sight in terms of timing. Um, but like, I appreciate the update today. Uh, I guess we'll hear more from you before Christmas. Sounds like there's a few things that are just starting to come together uh, before then. Um, so yeah, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, okay? We sure will, Matt, and appreciate uh, the interview today and, and obviously uh, keeping our, our Crux uh, group uh, updated with, with our developments. I think that the key points here is that uh, the project is moving ahead at a very rapid pace. And uh, we're breaking ground in January, so you know this is uh, this is not uh, something that we're just promoting. It's something that we're actually building. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.